Hello and welcome to Melden Law Talk, a service of Melden Law, a statewide law firm with its primary office in Gainesville, Florida, and also with offices in Fort Lauderdale and Ocala, Florida. Today is Friday, the 13th of November, 2020, and of course, I am joined once again by Jeffrey Melden, the founder, the president, chief executive of Melden Law. How are you doing, Jeffrey? Absolutely great, Chris. Uh, what a ball game last week against Georgia. Wasn't that something? And uh, of course, I went with you to that game, and it was so different from anything we've ever seen before at a Florida-Georgia game. It was almost surreal. I mean, just uh, we're, we're used to the normal packed in like sardines. You had the red on one side, the blue on the other, but this was nothing like that. Absolutely. It was surreal, uh, but it was really fun because we won. <laughs> yes, yes, we did. Uh, that, that made it all the better, but a great, a great event nonetheless. want to remind everybody, whether you're watching us on the podcast or you may be listening to the event on one of our many audio platforms, Melden Law is a firm that specializes in personal injury cases, meaning that we represent victims of motor vehicle crashes, big truck crashes, what we call premises liability cases, trip and fall, slip and fall, even animal bite cases. And in a town like Gainesville, we, we have all kinds of things happen. And in your now sixth decade of doing this, you've seen everything. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, that's one reason I love helping people, because um, at the end of the case, we're able to, you know, get the people a nice settlement for uh, what they've been through. And it really makes a difference in their lives. So I feel blessed. I get to go to work every day, help people, and make a nice living doing it. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Want to remind everybody that we have a website at www.meldenlaw.com. We keep it up to date with information about our practice areas, which also include criminal defense. And just to kind of tip a little bit of what we're going to be doing later this program, we're going to be having, for the last two segments, one of our attorneys, Ian Pickens, who is a specialist in criminal defense matters. So we will be talking about that. You may have seen Carrie Meldon last week talking about that. So that will be part of our presentation with today's podcast. But we have a very special show today. It's, it's a little different than the normal talk about law, talk about PI cases. We're going to be talking with a very special person, and I'm very proud to be introducing her, Miss Lizzie Jenkins. Lizzie, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to the program. Thank you for inviting me. So, Lizzie, you, you have such a deep, diverse background as an educator, as an author, but specifically, uh, you're here today because of your involvement with the Rosewood situation that happened many years ago, and you are the president, in fact, of what is known as the Real Rosewood Foundation, right? Yes, I am. And why don't you tell us, for the benefit of the viewers and listeners, what is the Real Rosewood Foundation? Well, it's a foundation that I established in 2003 because my mother encouraged me. And my mom was really the engineer behind my research of the Real Rosewood Foundation. She wanted to make sure I research and make sure the information was real, authentic, and documented. And what motivated her are to encourage me to tell the Rosewood story and keep it alive is because her sister was a school teacher in Rosewood from 1915 to 1923. And she was part of the Rosewood massacre. And that's when I say part of however she survived. But she lived to tell my mother her story. Follow me. Follow me. 
thank you for the bounty of our lives and the blessings you've bestowed on us in home and family. In 1923, the black town of Rosewood was a land of opportunity. You've been drifting long, Mr. Man. Seemed like forever. Colored folks own all the land around here, all the businesses, too. Man can make a new start around here, make something of himself. Until the day, one woman's false accusation. Tell me the truth. Was it true that a color done this to you? Unleashed a fury against their town. If you find him, well, you know what to do. There'd be some trouble around here, sir. The show use your help. There ain't no way in the world one man got enough bullets for all them crackers. And a search for the guilty became a hunt. For the innocent. These are real folks dying. Women and children ain't done nothing wrong to no soul. Now, colored folk just can't be running all the time. There comes a time when you got to stand up and defend your rights. We're gonna make it. Trust me. Warner Brothers presents, from director John Singleton and producer John Peters, the extraordinary story of how one town faced fear with courage, fought hate with dignity, and risked their lives to defend their home. John Voigt, Ving Rains, Michael Rooker, Esther Roll, Don Cheadle. We need to pray. Now, dear Lord. I ain't no praying move, preacher. Now, I was born and raised in Rosewood. This here's my home, and I'll be damned if I'm gonna let anybody run me off it. So, while there are many of us who know about the Rosewood Massacre and the terrible tragedy, there are many that don't. So for the benefit of those, I know it's not the easiest thing to talk about, but maybe just a few words about what happened on that day on, I believe it was New Year's Day, 1923. Yes, New Year's Day, January 1, 1923. Uh, a young lady that lived in the neighboring town of Rosewood, Sumner, Florida, all in Levy County, was having an affair with her lover, However, she wanted to discontinue the relationship, and he was not in favor of discontinuing. A fight ensued. She was uh, bruised severely, and she was a married young lady with uh, a kid. Her husband worked at the Sumner Sawmill, and his work hours were started at 4 a.m., well, then he would go to the mill, the sawmill, and uh, oil the machinery so that when the second crowd or the second crew came on at 6 o'clock, he would return home for breakfast. And she knew that he would be returning home for breakfast. However, she was entertaining her lover from 4 to 6 each day. And the reason she had an opportunity to entertain him is because he didn't go to work at that same sawmill until 6 a.m. He would ride in 
uh, commute from Gulf Hammock with a co-worker, carpool, whatever, and the co-worker went to work at 4 a.m. So that gave him two hours to hang out or to entertain Fanny Taylor. So he spent his time with her. Uh, but after, after, you know, I said there was a fight that uh, broke out uh, and she was bruised. Uh, he was coming home. Husband would be home at 6. So she had to tell him or explain to him what happened. And of course, back then, during that era, the Jim Crow era, the easiest thing to say in order to free yourself was a black man did it. And that's exactly what she said. But now we know she didn't use the word black man. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, that's the lie she told. And the man she told the lie on, it ended up being my uncle. Okay. And my uncle was married to my aunt, as I said, the teacher in, in Rosewood. And they went through hell for the next few days trying to get out of Rosewood alive. And the help, because of the help, the serious help of the sheriff, and people have not told the truth about the sheriff, but my mom said, you must tell the truth. And she instilled that in me. Had it not been for the sheriff, uh, her sister and all of the other uh, survivors that survived Rosewood would have been killed. Did that have something to do with the railroad train? Well, not really. And when you say something to do with the Rosewood train, uh, they did leave on the Rosewood train. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes, yes, How yes. They got out. Yes, of yes. And uh, as I said to you, the sheriff, he uh, he had to work hard. My mom said he worked 96 hours straight in an effort to get. Uh, the, the back then colored out of Rosewood alive. So he would have, he would travel from Rosewood to Sumner, begging James uh, Taylor to call it off, not call in the KKK. And by the way, the on December 31, 1922, here in Gainesville, in Gainesville, downtown Gainesville, the KKK, the Southern branch of the KKK held a rally downtown. So they were already in town. So when Fanny, when James Taylor came home and Fanny said a black man attacked her, he telegraphed the law enforcement in Gainesville, Alachua County. And this and was only down. 98 years ago. This January yes. 1st, it'll be 98 years. Again, for the benefit of some of the viewers who may not know this, maybe explain where Rosewood was, how close okay. it is to where we're sitting right now. Uh, Rosewood is approximately 55 miles from where we're sitting right now in Levy County, near Cedar Key, if you've heard of Cedar Key, near Cedar Key. Cedar Key is uh, a peninsula on the Gulf of Mexico in west from here. And as I understand it, Rosewood was a very prosperous black community back in uh, the... 19, early 1900s. It was progressing. It was progressing because everybody worked, everybody was independent, and they, they got along. Even the black and the white, they respected each other. It was, oh my God, it was a good time. <laughs> That's the way it is with television and radio. Yeah. But, uh, so anyhow, so you were saying about, I mean, Rosewood, um, when I saw the movie, um, they 
explained that uh, Rosewood was, um, people worked, they seemed to uh, have, uh, they owned their own homes there, and it seemed to be, um, you know, a model community in many ways. It was. It was. And uh, they were honorable people. They worked because they wanted their kids to be able to go to school, college, to reap some of the benefits they were not, uh, did not have the opportunity to. Do you know how, how far back Rosewood uh, goes and how it got started? No, I do not, but yes, I do. <laughs> okay. Uh, my research has said in maybe in 1885, I'm sorry, 1855, uh, a man by the name of Jacob, uh, last name was Jacobs, first name was Charles Jacobs, okay, built the house, you've heard of the Rosewood Historical House, right? And, and he was a, a contractor. He was the first mail carrier uh, postmaster in Rosewood. And he built that house from scratch. The house is still there today. And uh, he married Mary Jane Hall. I just found out her name is Hall. And by the way, I'm going to just step aside, sidetrack for a little while. I have located her nephew in Georgia. Okay. Wow. Didn't know he existed. And I'm going to be getting in touch with him. But he married Mary Jane Hall Wright. She became a Wright when she married John Wright. So that's why the house is now called the John Wright Historical House. But so, mm -hmm. obviously, you know, we hear the term, the massacre. There were horrible things that happened that day. People died, buildings were taken down. It was horrible. What was left of, of Rosewood? Absolutely nothing. It, they, was, it was devastated. It was devastated. It was grazed to the ground. Jeffrey made mention of a movie that was put out a couple years ago, or several years ago, actually, and I have some familiarity. I think it was 1997. That's yes. right, so about uh, 20 years. Okay. It was a great yeah. movie. John Singleton directed it, and it had a bunch of big-time stars in it. Yes. It did. And, and I would recommend it to any of our uh, listeners or uh, people that are watching us, because it, is, it will, you know, really grab you for about two and a half hours. And before that happened, before the movie was made, we were talking off the air before uh, we started this, you were telling us about how the Florida legislature actually had passed a bill to bring some reparations, to yes. give some money to yes. the families, to the survivors. Why don't you tell a little bit about that? Okay. Um, reparation. It was not easy and it was easy. It was not enough time. Right. They gave the families uh, approximately six months, okay, to get a family tree together so that you will be able to say that, oh, yes, my family was a part of many families they missed, many of them. When uh, my mom told me, okay, we are going to file our information, 
So for some reason, because my mom did tell them, well, we live in Archie, they didn't want to believe. But anyway, my mom told them, say, I tell you what, my sister married uh, Aaron Carrier, a Rosewood descendant, on December 19, 1917. So they went to the courthouse. They were pleased with it. She was, she and her siblings, and her siblings were also the school teachers' siblings who was a Rosewood resident at the time. The money was not very much, but it was an acknowledgement. So my mother and her 10, my aunt's 10 uh, relatives, siblings, and in-laws received approximately $20,000 together. My mom's check was $3,333.33, but it was they acknowledged that a wrong sure. was committed. So that was important. How, how did that um, whole thing, the, the reparations, get started? Was there somebody that spearheaded that movement? Yes, the legislators. Okay, and they worked with Governor Lawton Childs. Okay, and it wasn't easy. Okay, they didn't always agree, but in the end, they were able to uh, encourage him to, well, they basically wrote the bill and uh, I think it's bill 591 if you all if anybody wants to see it and they encourage him to sign the bill he did on May 4 1994 and 10 days 10 years to that day May 4 2004 I encouraged uh, Governor Jeb Bush to dedicate the Rosewood marker that I applied for during that time, I initiated. So that marker, is, is that on the site of Rosewood in Levy yes. County? Okay. Yes. One thing that you were telling us before we started the podcast is how even to this day, um, it, it's really bipartisan that there have been legislature, legislators on both sides of the aisle. You mentioned Ted Yoho, the now retired U.S. congressman. You mentioned Bill Servone, the now retired state attorney for, for this area. Maybe say a few words about some of the support you've been given uh, up to the recent days in terms of bringing recognition to Rosewood? Well, my, mo my mother had told me, you cannot allow this history to disappear. People suffered. You didn't create it, and I didn't create it, but it must be told and kept alive. So I have been working on this project for 28 years, and I wasn't moving it at all, so... I pray a lot, and I woke up one morning with Ted Yoho on my mind. <laughs> so I said, well, he's a, he's a Republican, and I'm a Democrat. And I told my husband, husband, my husband said, my husband John Jenkins said, baby, wife, he calls me. He said, history is not political. He said, you want to talk to him? Go and talk to him, and that's exactly what I did. That was in... 2014, I called the office and Kat, Kat Kamek was working for him at the time, answered the phone, I made an appointment, went in, talked, very pleasant young man, and uh, we talked about the museum. And for about 30 minutes, he gave me some ideas, I don't think I followed anything, any suggestion he made, <laughs> but I did get an opportunity to, to meet him. Very positive. And during over the course of the next six years, 
I would, when I would travel to Washington uh, with my sorority, I would always go by his office. In fact, I have given him a copy of my book, this book, and uh, we would talk about the museum. And uh, I would sit in his chair. I remember one day he said, uh, this is your chair. You all paid for this chair. You sit here. And we talk, and we talk about Rosewood. And we just kept up the friendship. So on September 28th, these dates, September 28th of this year, he made an appointment with me to speak to the Librarian of Congress, Dr. Carla Hayden, who was the first African-American uh, female librarian appointed by Barack Obama. And uh, Representative Ted Yoho hosted that meeting. It was awesome. We had awesome people on there. The library, the Florida director, library director was one of the guests. Attorney Steve Hanlon, who worked pro bono for the Rose, Rosewood family, was a guest. And some other people that I can Oh, Dr. Maxine Jones who was the investigator, the lead investigator for the Rosewood Project was on the show. So that, that event led to, because he kept saying, oh, I'm going to be there for you, I'm going to support you. So that event followed up by uh, a Rosewood, it wasn't a Rosewood bill, it was a bill he introduced to make Rosewood a national landmark. Wow. Okay, and that happened on on November. I'm sorry, October two. He also made sure that his information was transferred to uh, to Cat. It was just uh, to to, to Cat right. and to Bill Savone. Savone. Right. So that now the uh, Bill Savone, state attorney, who is retiring is has has uh well is in charge of making it happen and we are going to be working with republicans and democratic legislators it's not about one party you are watching melden law talk a service of melden law we are so honored and pleased to have lizzie jenkins the president of the real rosewood foundation as our guest we will be back for another segment i'd like to talk about the foundation itself about what you're doing currently and what people can do to help. We would like to remind everybody again, Melden Law is a statewide law firm specializing in personal injury cases as well as criminal defense cases. You can call us anytime, toll free at 1-800-373-8000. You'll always speak to a Melden, whether it's Jeffrey <laughs> Melden or Carrie who was on the show last week, or a legal professional, and whether it's within our wheelhouse or maybe it's not, we'll do our best to steer you in the right direction. Thank you again for watching this program. This is our third week. How about that? And uh, we certainly are very pleased uh, for those who are watching. And uh, hey, keep watching. We'll be on a lot more platforms in the weeks and months to come. We'll be right back. I've done mornings here on Sky Radio for 17 years. Jeffrey Meldon started doing his weekend show here 16 years ago. One of the things that separates Jeffrey is I don't see him out there hollering for people's business. I see him out there investing in the community. He's touched a lot of lives, and a lot of it he'll never know what a difference he made in somebody's life. 
about information that he has shared on the air. I was in an accident. Someone ran a red light and hit me, and I was hurt. You don't know where to turn. Luckily, I called Jeffrey. These big insurance companies, they don't want you to win. They truly don't. But Jeffrey and his firm and the people that work here, they just really fight for you. You call the law offices of Jeffrey Belden because you're going to need help, and they will help you. Hello and welcome back to Melden Law Talk, a service of Melden Law, a statewide law firm with its primary office in Gainesville and also with offices in Ocala and Fort Lauderdale, Florida. My name is Chris Qualman, a host for this program, joined by Jeffrey Melden, the founder, president, managing attorney of Melden Law. And we'd like to remind all of you, whether you're watching us or whether you may be listening to the podcast, we do have a website, www.meldenlaw.com. We have lots of up-to-date information about our practice areas of personal injury law, criminal defense law, and a lot of other information of benefit to the communities. And speaking of community services and activities, we have been talking today with a very special guest, Lizzie Jenkins, who is the president and executive director of the Real Rosewood Foundation. One thing I want to talk about, though, beforehand, what a coincidence we figured out before we went on the air. One of the things that you've been doing for now, gosh, decades, is the Scholar-Athlete Program, and we just realized it's your nephew yes. who was recognized as one of our Scholar-Athletes. Yes. I think you told me his name is uh, Trey Robinson. What is Where does Trey play? He goes to Newberry, is it? He plays for the Newberry Panthers, and he is the captain of the football team and a graduating senior this year. And I don't know where he's going to go to college, but it will be in the area. Well, that's really exciting. Where did you go to college at? Florida Memorial in St. Augustine. It's now in located in Miami, Florida Memorial University. But I attended college there, and in the 1960. 60, in 1960, I had the opportunity of sitting at the lunch counter. And it wasn't a pleasant thing, but it was a good experience. God bless you. <laughs> the lunch counter, uh, uh, where at? In St. Augustine. Uh, W.F. Woolworth, uh, downtown St. Augustine. That was a day to remember. So was that kind of a sit-in? Yes, it was. And... Uh, were you with some friends? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, it's, and it's not easy to talk about. <laughs> but yes, it was with our some friends. You know, when making I making history. You know, when I moved to Gainesville, I moved on the east side of town, um, right behind. Well, there was a place called Paul's Package. Which I don't was, know exactly okay. where it is. <laughs> and so I was living in the black part of town, right? Uh. And so um, I knew everybody in the neighborhood, and Paul's Package was segregated. So the front was white yes. and the back was black, right? Mm -hmm. But there was the good thing was the, the back had a big parking lot so everybody could hang out and drink their beer back exactly. there. So um, I used to go to the back of Paul's Package, okay, uh -huh. and hang out with uh, my neighbors and friends there and then if you walk across the street there was called a place called Max uh, Diner I think it was mm -hmm. called Max okay yes. and that yes. was segregated too Two. now mm -hmm. this is 1970 and I'm coming from Cleveland Ohio okay and it was a lot different in Cleveland Ohio uh, than it was in Gainesville and I was like like kind of shocked at first that there were restaurants in 1970 in yes. Gainesville, Florida that were still uh, segregated. So 
Lizzie has documented so much history in this book that you've written. It's Black America series, Alachua County, Florida. Where can people get this book? Are uh, they can? Uh, I have it on my website, and oh. they. Is, is that on the Rosewood website? Yes, it is. Which is www.rosewoodflorida.com. Yes. Rosewoodflorida.com. You can get Lizzie's book. And this isn't just about Rosewood. It's about Alachua County, correct? Exactly, yes. All right. And let's talk about the foundation. We've got a few minutes left. The Real Rosewood Foundation is a Florida not-for-profit corporation. Yes. And if, if our viewers and listeners want to help, what can they do? They can donate money. And there is a donate button on the website. No limit to how much you want to donate. And one of the things, of course, you've talked a little bit about it is you, your goal is to build a museum. You've got 29 acres, I think you were yes. telling us, of land that uh, is designated. It's it's actually, though, in Alachua County. It's an archer, yes, it correct? Is. Yes. Okay. So maybe tell us, say us a, a little bit about that, about what your goal is with that property. Uh, my goal is to build a museum in memory of my aunt, who was the, the school teacher. And, of course, we're going to have uh, an education uh department in that building and what we want to do and we have our senator bracy uh, randolph bracy out of orlando he is going to help us in hopefully get this the education the rosewood uh history into books and into the curriculum for florida he just completed the okoy Mm. Okay, they passed the bill to get the Okoye information in the books, uh, and he's going to help us. Uh, and, and you were telling us also that there are events going on now, especially you're having Zoom events. Yes. There's ways that people can get educated and learn about Rosewood, and uh, same thing, you go through the website for this? Yes. You okay. go through the website for this, and we just completed a very successful not money-wise, but successful educational-wise, okay? On, and we're going to put that on the website so that each of you may go to the website and watch it. And I hope it reminds you to leave a donation, okay? <laughs> you also were telling us about an essay contest that, that's yes. been going on. Why don't you tell us? That? It's fascinating. Okay. Each year we give five scholarships, and we make certain two are for white kids and three to black kids. And the purpose, because it happened in Levy County and we make sure two of the kids are from Levy County, three from Alachua, and they relocated to Alachua County because we are diverse. We have to close the digital divide. It's not a whole lot of money we give, but they have to, in order to receive the, the money, they have to write an essay. And uh, you were telling us they actually have to put themselves back in time. Exactly. 1923. Right. So what, what is it they have to do? They have to share with us, in the event they had lived in 1923, what would they have done to avoid or to prevent the Rosewood Massacre? And we judged the essays. I imagine you get some very heartfelt, wonderful things. Yes, and, and you know, and I did a kid write this? <laughs> yes, but uh, they are, the, the essays are excellent. Lizzie, please know on behalf of Melvin Law, on behalf of myself and Jeffrey, just how pleased we are 
how honored we are that you joined us today. The work you're doing is absolutely magnificent. We'd like to remind everybody again, the website is www.rosewoodflorida.com. You'll learn all about the wonderful work that Lizzie and, your, and her board members are doing to keep the memory of Rosewood alive, to, to bring this education to the forefront. I'd like to remind you also that you are watching Meldon Law Talk, a service of Meldon Law. We are a statewide law firm with our primary office in Gainesville, but also with offices in Ocala and Fort Lauderdale. Next segment, we will be joined by one of our attorneys, a guy who's just been doing an amazing job. He also happens to be the most diehard fan of the Jacksonville Jaguars, I know. So it's going to be creative to see how he defends the Jaguars. <laughs> but anyway, I like the Jaguars, too. He's also a Gator fan. Anyhow, um, I want to tell you... Um, uh, Lizzie, that you know, Melden Law is going to continue to support your efforts and do whatever we can to get the word out. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. And thank we you appreciate for being you. our guest. Thank okay. you for watching Melden Law Talk. We'll be right back. Being a client in Melden Law was special because I felt like I was really being listened to and I felt welcomed by the entire staff. If I were in a situation where I needed legal advice and help, I would absolutely reach out to Jeffrey because his reputation alone speaks for itself. But on a personal level, I know that he would take care of me and help me solve those problems and I would feel safe with him. The Melvin Law Firm from the beginning has been built on giving back to the community. I enjoy coming to work as much today as I did in 1971 when I opened my practice. I don't look at this as a job, I look at it as serving other people. While we're alive, what better feeling can you achieve than knowing that you've helped other people and thereby you enrich your own life? Hello and welcome back to Melden Law Talk, a service of Melden Law, a statewide law firm with its primary office in Gainesville, Florida, and also with offices in Ocala and Fort Lauderdale, Florida. My name is Chris Qualman, a host for the show. During the day, I work as the pre-litigation manager and chief investigator here with Jeffrey Meldon, the founder, CEO, and uh, managing attorney for the firm. Jeffrey, that was a wonderful segment we just had. Wow, uh, Ms. Jenkins is just an amazing woman and so uh, articulate and has so many stories. And we really need to continue making the community aware of all the good work she's doing. It, it truly is amazing. One thing she told us as uh, she was leaving, there is an event coming up on January 1st, which will be the 98th anniversary of the tragedy of, of the Rosewood Massacre. It will actually be in a, at a property in Archer, and the actual address is 14738 Southwest 159th Avenue. And if you can't remember that, go on the website, which as she told us last segment, is www.rosewoodflorida.com. It will be a huge event starting at about 12 noon on the 1st of January, 2021. They will have vendors, events, education, a lot of wonderful things going on. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's pretty uh, incredible, uh, the book, uh, that was written by uh, Miss Jenkins. She, she's got uh, an incredible here. academic pedigree. It's uh, yeah. So, um, Black America series, Alachua County, Florida. Um, so this is a pretty cool book. I, I haven't read it. I just got it today, but I'm going to run home and read this. It's available uh, on the website. So please, by all means, take a look at that. 
Just a couple of other quick administrative things. I want to remind you again that you can learn about Meldon Law by taking a look at our website at www.meldonlaw.com. Our primary practice areas are personal injury law, meaning that we represent victims of motor vehicle crashes, big truck cases, animal bike cases, slip and fall cases. We've even handled electric skateboard cases, certainly pedestrian cases, bicycle cases, whatever the injury may be, please give us a call. There is no charge for an initial consultation. We only get paid if they get paid, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we've been uh, in the uh, North Central Florida community for uh, almost 50 years, and it's really a uh, privilege to be able to help folks out there uh, get their lives back together, whether it's in an um, accident case or in a criminal case. And we have one other way you can reach us now. You can dial pound hurt on your cell phone, pound 4878. You can reach us 24-7, same as giving us a phone call. Want to introduce one of our attorneys, Ian Pickens. Ian, how long have you been with us now? It's going on three, almost four years. Well, yeah, we're coming up on four. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it's been that long. But, <laughs> it really uh, doesn't. I, I think it started I remember. Back in 2017. Yeah, when you it, first you first came aboard, and what a story! You and Carrie, Carrie Meldon, were working on opposite sides. I was even helping on that case. Yeah. On a case, you were a prosecutor, right, down in Marion County of a felony. Circuit Division prosecutor, you and Carrie got to know each other, developed some mutual respect, and not long after, you're working at Melvin Law. Yeah, it was a, uh, a terrible case for me. Uh, <laughs> I, had, I had a lot of proof issues, and uh, Carrie uh, set a deposition and helped me open my eyes to my issues, and uh, we became we became friends, and the next thing you know, I... I, you know, ended up working uh, for the Meldons, and so it's funny how fate works out sometimes. Well, you, you have a very interesting background. Your family is very, very well known in uh, Putnam County, in Palatka. For the benefit of maybe people statewide, central, or down farther south, say a few words. I know you're a humble guy, but go ahead and talk about your family and your background. Uh, so, I mean, my family's been in Putnam County since, like, the late 1800s, so that's on the other side of Alachua in between Volusia, St. John's, and, and Gainesville area. So, Plaque is the big city, but we're from Crescent City, so that's kind of like uh, Alachua size. Mm -hmm. um, my, uh, my dad is the county commissioner, my uncle was a state rep for the area, and then my uh, mom's on the school board, and my brother's a prosecutor over there. So. We kind of kind of got our bases covered as a family. <laughs> so, tell us about the transition. Uh, Kerry talked about it last week when he was on. He talked about the fact that he was a prosecutor right out of law school over in the Seventh Judicial Circuit over in Volusia County. But you you followed the same path. What was the transition like from working in the state attorney's office to now being a criminal defense attorney? You know, it it I think it one doing one makes you better at the other. Uh, if you figure out how to prove something, then you you understand the elements, what, what piece of evidence fit where. And so on the flip side, you just kind of reverse your brain and think, how can I create some doubt here? Uh, things like that. And, and in, you know, as far as the transition from going from trying to convict someone to defending someone, um, I really didn't have any issue with that. I mean, the law is still the law, and if I can use the law to help my client get a good result, then that's the law. It's not a technicality. It's the law. So you started out, of course, as a criminal defense lawyer, and I know one thing, and you've sort of carried this over, Jeffrey, into your civil practice, developing relationships. You know, you're, you're adversarial, but at the same time, you're friends with your opponent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, what do they say? You win 
uh, more friends with uh, honey than uh, <laughs> yeah. more, more bees with honey. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, I've always uh, felt like you know you can be strong in your position, but be affable, and that you don't need to necessarily you know make everybody you know your enemy and you know dislike them and you know and although at times in my career I felt like that <laughs> I just felt somebody was being so unreasonable and I would almost uh, stay up at night thinking of bad things to say to the per person and then when it came to reality though I never said them <laughs> in one area in which you have specialized and you've had excellent success I say that not just because you're my colleague you do is in DUI drunk driving defense and we talked to Carrie a little bit about this last week that sometimes people if they've been arrested for a DUI or they know somebody who's got a DUI they first think hopeless I don't have a chance that's not the truth right no there's a lot of different avenues that we can you know try to travel down to get you a good result I mean usually the biggest thing is uh, you know how am I going to get to work I, I can't drive the, the cop took my license but people don't understand we can get you a hardship we can keep you we can keep your your life moving and hope isn't lost and there's a lot of different things we can use to to keep your your normal going and I think I heard our friend David Robbins say this once that a DUI case is like finding uh, fighting a war on two continents you're fighting the criminal case but you're also fighting the the DMV thing you're, you're fighting the administrative suspension and that's what? like fighting Russia. It's, just, it's, 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 it's different rules. But there's hope, though. I mean, I know some, Carrie mentioned that some firms don't even touch those. But we do. You're involved in those DMV administrative hearings all the time. I will always take the good fight to the DMV. I am, I'm all for that. So if you want to challenge a hearing, um, you know, we will, we will gladly have that. We've, we've gotten people their license back with blows almost five times the legal limit based on mm -hmm. some issues with the breath test. So there's some things that we can use uh, from that and use it in the criminal arena to get clients a reduction in charge or possibly have a, a deposition almost to get a motion to suppress out there and potentially get everything thrown out. So uh, we, will, we will always do those hearings. What's some of the funniest stuff you had to deal with as a criminal defense attorney? You, you told us a few well, things last week. Well, <laughs> in my early career, before I knew uh, how to try a case, a um, Pentecostal bishop came to me and uh, said he had been charged with uh, DUI in Gainesville, Florida. And back then we had what were called municipal courts, and uh, uh, Judge Wade Hampton was the uh, judge. And... Uh, I remember uh, <clears throat> Miss Watkins was the clerk of the court, and I think Allison Folds was the part-time <laughs> prosecutor there. And uh, I uh, asked him uh, to explain how he got uh, up to a .32 on his breath test. And he said, well, uh, I don't drink alcohol, you know, I don't drink whiskey. And I said, well, you know, were, is there anything else you were drinking? He said, yeah, he said, I took, uh, I had a bad cough and I, I took uh, a jar of water, like a ball jar, and I took the aloe vera plant and I put it inside there and I tightened it up and I put it in the refrigerator for a while. And he said, whenever I had a cough, that's what I would, uh, was, um, would do to suppress my cough and make it feel better. The aloe vera and, defense. So, so, <laughs> so. I put him on the stand, you know, and he recounted his story and he explained to the jury how he did, you know, that he wouldn't lie, he's a bishop in the church, that he doesn't drink whiskey, and that the only thing he had that day 
was the uh, juice from the uh, uh, mixture of the aloe vera plant and the water, and that, uh, you know, he, he was not drunk and driving. And uh, lo and behold, uh, the jury believed him and uh, found him not guilty. <laughs> there you go. You learned something. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Ian, I want to hear a good story from you. But before we do, we are going to go to a break That's right. in a minute. And then we're going to come back. So when you get a bunch of criminal defense lawyers together and they start telling war stories, they're really funny because stranger things happen. Uh, in the courtroom than just about anywhere. Yeah, that, that is certainly the truth. It's like Night Court, the old TV show made real. You are watching Meldon Law Talk, a service of Meldon Law, a statewide law firm with its primary office in Gainesville, but also with offices in Ocala, where Ian's quite often there, and in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. We'll be right back. Thank you for watching. I was riding as a passenger in my friend's vehicle. Yeah, a fellow ran a stop sign and we T-boned him had neck and shoulder and knee injuries and didn't know what to do and I remember seeing one of Jeffrey's ads so I gave him a call he explained everything to me I'd go see him and everything was done everything was taken care of don't waste your time with anybody else go see Jeffrey I was in a truck accident because of the accident I resulted in three back surgeries we saw advertisements on TV and guess who popped up more often than that? It was Jeffrey. The communication that he provided was so appreciative that he shows his compassion as a human. He assisted us in achieving one of our dreams, the acquisition of a home, and we're here today with smiles on our face with the assistance from Jeffrey. Welcome back to the final segment of Meldon Law Talk, a service of Meldon Law, a statewide law firm with offices in Gainesville, Ocala and Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Today is Friday, the 13th day of November. Jeffrey, two days ago was Veterans Day. And I know that's something that's uh, very much a part of the community service at Meldon Law. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, teamed up with uh, CBS in Gainesville and created uh, a program last year called Veterans Making a Difference. And uh, every quarter, uh, we give away an award to a deserving veteran or veterans organization. So we would uh, certainly encourage everybody uh, who would like to participate in that program to com uh, contact either Melden Law or CBS. And uh, there's a lot of other exciting things that are uh, going on as far as our uh, new Ocala office. Absolutely. Uh, we talked last week about the fact that uh, while we are now in our sixth decade in Gainesville, you started in the early 70s, you've actually been in Ocala for 35 years. Absolutely. And we've had a full-time presence. Ian, you've been there quite a bit. You're from Ocala. You live there. Um, that's where you've been practicing much of the time. But uh, we have a new building. Yes, we decided that uh, we wanted to be uh, uh, out there right on the main drag. So we're, we're going to be right on 441 across the street from the uh, hospitals. And it's pretty cool. The build, we're, we're in the process of renovating it now. And uh, sometime in the middle of December, uh, it's going to be uh, fully occupied. And we're going to move our office from uh, our existing 
Ocala office over to the new office, and we're really excited because it looks like um, a building that came out of Happy Days. <laughs> I remember that show. You might not. <laughs> it might have been before your time. But uh, what a great show. Okay, well, I'm, I'm excited about the new Ocala office. And we introduced two weeks ago our new attorney, Richard Perlini, who's moved up here from South Florida. So he'll, be, he'll, he'll have a presence there as well. Ian, I want to toss back to you. So we've been talking about how you know we, we practice in North Central Florida, but it's not just Alachua County and Marion County. You go to some of these small, out-of-the-way counties, like you know Union County, Levy County, and you've had a lot of success there. What, what's it like practicing in these small counties? I love going to the small rural counties. Uh, you, you you go to some of them, and it's like getting thrown back in the Matlock days. So I I try to I try to have my seersucker on, and uh, it, I, I, I it's fantastic. See, you get the, the you know the suspenders and yeah, I put bow a bow tie on, and uh, really you know I, I try to thicken up my accent a little bit, and and uh, it's it's a good time. You know, once the bailiffs kind of get a feel for you back when we were going to court pre-COVID, uh, you know, metal detector go off, and then like you're fine. <laughs> I went up to Union County and. I thought I'd walked in the back door because there were no no one was there, and I looked. The metal detector not even plugged in, and I just walked up to the courtroom. And so it's uh, you know usually they just have one county judge out there, and uh, not that many cases, and it's it's just it's it's good. It's like going back in time, and I really like it. Is Bo Bear still out there? I got to be in front of him one time, and I actually I I. After my case was called, I sat and watched because it was he was just cracking jokes and I was like, This is how court should be. It was it was fantastic. I got a new judge up there, but we got great results there. You go in We got the DUI reduced, uh, so we got we got that taken care of and we just had one uh, where the DUI never got filed and we resolved it with a civil ticket and so uh, you know those small counties. We don't get a ton of cases, but when we do go out there, uh, we you know we we take care of business. But you know what you say about feeling like you're back in time a hundred years. It's amazing. You know the courthouse in Trenton. I remember you know uh, some of those small town courthouses, Bronson and right. um, all these courthouses. And you go there. Mayo, and, yeah. and and you go. This is really cool because a lot of those small yeah. towns. Building the courthouse was a big deal. They oh, sure. they they built really nice uh, courthouses. The courtrooms, you know, were you know uh, right out of you know inherent the wind or something like that. You know, <laughs> I mean, and, <clears throat> cultural reference. Boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, All right. Uh, so it wouldn't be a Meldon Law podcast if we didn't talk a little bit of sports. Okay. And I, I introed you earlier in the program that you are the most diehard Jacksonville Jaguars fan I know. The team's struggling a little bit. What can you tell us about the Jags? <laughs> I can say that, you know, when first game of the year, I was like, oh, man. We, we we got playoff team. Yeah, and then, Minshew uh, was looking great. Looking great, and then we and then we next game I was like, that's not not a bad loss. And then week three I was like, okay, so we're back to losing for Lawrence. Okay, all right, so <laughs> there we go. And we've been consistent with that theme. So you know I, I, we got some young guys on defense. And I I love Minshew. I just love the way he's scrappy and plays the game. But uh, you know I, I think uh, you know we're we're not. Where we need to be, obviously. You know what I like the best about it's not directly the Jaguars about that stadium, big seats. We we were at the Florida Georgia game, and I'm a big guy, and I said to Jeffrey, I said, "Wow, these seats are comfortable. They've done a great job with the renovation. I mean, we go back to the 
you know, old Gator Bowl days in the 60s and 70s. That really was my first football game I ever went to. It was Florida, Georgia in 1969 when I was 11 years old. But they've really done an amazing job there with the stadium. I mean, you got a great stadium. Uh, you still, I think we're the only one with a pool, so we got that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if you catch the game at the right time, and you know when you're at the Florida-Georgia game and the sun setting and everything with the river and then the backdrop of the city, it's a, it's a really cool stadium with a good backdrop. So. You, you play you, you played sports, so tell us a little bit about some of your background as a competitive athlete. I, uh, I played a little football in high school at St. Joseph's Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first team to make the playoffs since like the 70s when we did back in 06. So cool. we, we watched some game film when I was at the hunting camp and realized we weren't that good. Uh, <laughs> we thought we were a lot better. It was really disappointing. Sure. But uh, then I ran track at a small school about an hour north of Pittsburgh. So. Uh, I didn't know that. You ran track. What did you run? Uh, Mid-distance? or uh, 400 meters uh, wow. and uh, a couple of relays. And so. Boy, that's the tough. The 400 meters, it's not short and it's not long. Right. So you, you like have to like rip it the whole yeah, time. You have to be in shape and, and you're, you feel good. And then around like the last 75 meters, your legs are dead. You start tightening up and it is... It is terrible, but uh, wow. it's a it's a fun race. <laughs> I'm impressed. I, I think I'll probably uh, you know not not try the 400 at this <laughs> point in my life. But I, I, that, that's very impressive, guys. We only have a couple of minutes left. But uh, Ian, I, on a serious note, I mean, you're a great guy to work with. You have a wonderful sense of humor, but you get great results for your clients. And uh, if if there was something you'd say to our viewers, many of whom are in South Florida, we're talking about. Small town strategies for big city courtrooms, it works no matter where you are. I would say the way we, we treat the cases is that that's what makes a difference. You know, uh, I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of the Melvin firm. Jeffrey's given me a great team. Uh, my assistant, Miss Abby, has been doing DUIs before I was born, and so she's kind of <laughs> taught really me the ropes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, now I have, I have two assistants and an intern, and not a lot of firms give you the support like that. And so I know in South Florida we have Alex and Tanner's down there with a lot of experience. So you have five lawyers. You have a lot of assistants. You got uh, I've, I've ping-ponged ideas off of you. So, I mean, you really – we got a lot of people – uh, that we can put into play to get the results for our clients, and we're we're good at getting that done. Well, and and you make a good point, Ian, because it's a team effort. I mean, you know, Ian goes into court and he's able to read, you know, the cases that are ca- coming out each week, and do a, all the other lawyers there. They're scrambling around trying to you know handle things because they don't have the kind of backup help, and they aren't prepared the way that you know. Uh, our team is when we come into court. Right, right. I, with my assistance allowing me to actually be a lawyer, read case law, find new strategies, try new motions um, while they do some of the other tasks. And, you know, because I'm allowed to do that, uh, we can try some things that, you know, maybe haven't been done before to get a good result. One thing, you know, I was kind of putting the pencil to paper as I was preparing for the radio show a couple of weeks ago. And I figured out that among the six practicing attorneys with the firm, we collectively have over 150 years of experience. But among the support staff, it's really even more impressive when you mention people like Abby Knight, you mentioned people like Carolyn Watson, um, you've got Stephanie, you've got April, you've got others. Myself, I'm part of the support staff. We collectively, out of about nine, ten people in the support staff, we have close to 175 years, almost 200 years of combined experience. So... Like you said, the support staff really is the backbone of the firm. You can learn to practice law from your assistant. That's, that's a motto I've had, <laughs> no. and that is the truth. 
So, so when Ian came in, you know, Abby Knight uh, started working with me in 1979. And so that's 41 years ago. And um, she knows more about practicing DUI defense than just about any lawyer that I know. And as a matter of fact, if I was, you know, not feeling well or something, I could send Abby to court for me. She's and told the me judges, about this. She <laughs> told would, me about this. They, they would recognize her. She could go up there and explain <laughs> the situation, and the judge would say, no problem, tell Jeffrey, come back when he's feeling better. And how about Belinda, who's also one of your assistants? Belinda Pitt. She's great. What, what a jewel. I mean, <laughs> she's great. Miss Abby is, is training her and, and got her going. And so, you know, Belinda is key for getting files together, downloading stuff, things that I have no idea how to do. And so she's she's great. Uh, she's always pleasant. And, and, she's, and awesome. yeah. she's just awesome. And she has another talent that Jeffrey constantly is telling me I need to take advantage of. She gets people on the phone. Better than anybody in the office. <laughs> when you say, get that adjuster on the phone, get that attorney on the phone, somehow Belinda knows how to do that. She does. And, and some of the um, tricks of uh, representing your clients include things like getting the adjuster on the phone. <laughs> <That's> so <laughs> true. Like Chris, Chris and I can tell you, we could spend three weeks trying to get the adjuster on the phone. We give the file to Belinda, and like in Three minutes, she's got the adjuster on the phone. I don't know how she does it, but she and does as it. As a mother of four, she doesn't play games. <laughs> she, true. she means business. And and, uh, <laughs> hey, I'm going to give a shout-out to her son, Tony Pitt. Tony is is a college prospect for, for, for uh, college football. Right. He's an offensive lineman. He plays at uh, Hawthorne High School. Cornelius Ingram. Yes, Cornelius Ingram, CI, is his head coach. Former, of course, well-known Gator tight end. Look for that name, Tony Pitt, in the years to come. Yeah, I'm he, pretty sure they made the playoffs, so they're playing uh, pretty soon. I don't know if it's tomorrow, but they yeah, made but the he's a big kid. He's a very big kid. He's got great technique. We watch him, and he's got that you know wide base and uh, does it extremely well, both on pass blocking and run blocking. We don't have much time left. Real quick, we got a game tomorrow. Uh, we the Gators play um, Arkansas. We've got Felipe Franks coming back to town. He's, he's doing better. Got to give the guy credit. Hey, that's the story. You know, Felipe's back in town, uh, 7 o'clock game on ESPN. So uh, that's exciting. Absolutely. Anything in closing, guys? Go Gators. <laughs> Hopefully. Go Jags, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm riding the Gator train. We'll uh, pick up the Jags next year. Uh, hey. Hey, the Gators are hot right now, so let's keep it going. And uh, what do we say at the end of every show? Go. Go. Gators. www.meldenlaw.com. Or give us a call anytime, toll free, one 800 373-8000, whatever your question may be, whether it's personal injury law, criminal defense law, or anything. We'll do our best to steer you in the right direction. Thank you so much for being a part of that program. This program, we'll see you next week.